0: With Pesach approaching, Tour Plus is offering the English-speaking public a fantastic experience in Israel's leading hotels. Tour Plus has a stellar reputation for being the most professional and experienced hotel operator catering to the Orthodox community. We pay special attention to Kashu standards, providing Glat Bahadrin kosher food and Shmura Matzah in each hotel. Visit us online at www.tourplus.co.il and click on English at the top that's tourplus.co.il tourplus for the complete vacation
1: shalom and welcome to all of you who love god, torah and israel this is noahide nations i'm jim long
0: and this is ray patterson shalom to everyone out in radio
1: land Right. We have uh, a special guest today. And of course, uh, I know we say that every time we have a guest on, but that's just the way I feel about about our guests. I feel like they're always very special. And uh, we uh, before we go to this guest today, who is very has a very timely subject to to talk to us about. uh, We want to remind everybody that uh, if you want to send questions and uh, comments about the show or even suggestions about the show, Ray, how can the folks get a hold of us here? On Israel National Radio,
0: Jim. I'm glad we co-host this together because I would never remember it if it wasn't for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but for the for the folks out in uh, uh, the radio land, if you want to comment on this interview, if you want to comment on Jim and I, uh, if you have anything good to say, and if you have anything bad to say, just send it on to us at, Noah at Noah Hyde, Noahide at IsraelNationalRadio.com. dot com. That's Noahide. N o a h i d e at com.
1: Yeah, and we always have to think about those first-time listeners that uh, are tuning in. We have to think about the folks that are, are, you know, have just come to Torah and have just been introduced to the idea of what B'nai Noach, Children of Noah, the, the Noahide uh, uh, realm is. Uh, it is a belief system, you know, based on the idea. It is, it is in fact, the, the original belief system uh, handed down to us from Adam, and then through Noah. And of course, as you know, anyone who is familiar with uh, uh, Judaism and the teachings of the Torah, uh, the people of Israel, of course, it it tells us in the Torah, are to be a priesthood, a kingdom of priests. So where does that leave the rest of the world? And of course, the rest of the world, Hashem, the Creator, uh, requires of us to only keep seven laws, not the typical 613 laws that uh, Israel is required to keep. We are required to keep seven laws. Ray, what are those seven laws, by the way?
0: Well, the seven are do not commit idolatry, do not commit theft, do not commit murder, do not commit blasphemy, uh, do not commit or have any types of uh, uh, sexual transgressions, which is a very wide category. Uh, it also requires that we not eat the limb of a living animal, as well as to set up courts of justice, a, a justice system in which to rule upon and uh, uh, implement these seven laws that were given to us by Hashem at the receding of the flood, they were given to Noah
1: all right and you know the thing is is like we talked to uh, we had a guest on last week and he had done a a documentary it was called uh, world peace according to the seven laws of Noah and uh, it's it's a very uh, user-friendly concept that is if we just simply kept these seven laws if every nation in the world were to simply keep these seven laws uh, peace would break out everywhere And uh, sadly, we have just the opposite today as we as we do this program. And of course, uh, it's it's hitting home for most of us who love Israel because of what's going on in in Gaza. And of course, that's the reason we have on uh, the special guest today, Professor Eugene Naret. Professor Naret, of course, is uh, has a Ph.D. in comparative literature from Columbia University. He's uh, taught a variety of classes and disciplines. Uh, He's the author of four books, Israel Awakened, A Chronicle of the Oslo War, uh, Gathered Against Jerusalem, Essays on a False Peace, Israel in the End Times, Writing on the Logic and Surface, Turbulence of History, and finally his latest, World War III, The War on the Jews. And in the spirit of full disclosure, I have to tell our listeners that uh, I am the publisher of his latest book. So, you know, just so you will know, I'm a big fan of Professor Narrett's already. Welcome, Professor Narrett.
2: Good to be with you, Jim and
1: Ray. Thank you very much. Uh, the uh, this is this is such a wide subject, and and uh, the uh, we, we as we talk today, we we don't even know the latest uh, information uh, because it's changing all the time. Um, why why do you think this particular uprising has occurred in in AZA? Uh, do, do you think it's, it's uh, by chance Or do you think it was planned uh, Why is it happening all over again
2: Well we'll try to keep it simple And sketch out the basic uh, principles uh, Of what's going on And we'll notice uh, first of all That this is not new This is something that is uh, unpleasantly familiar um, <clears throat> In a sense it's planned for a long time. This is hardly classified information. Uh, Hamas uh, in Gaza is following the same procedure that uh, Hezbollah used in southern Lebanon after the withdrawal of the IDF in May of 2000, which was to build up an enormous infrastructure for fighting a uh, mini-war and for terrorizing the civilian population which uh, they did in the summer of 2006 for five weeks in the northern third of Israel. And, uh, you know, the notion that Fatah and Hamas could share power in any meaningful way since they're two, you know, large uh, gangs of murderers, basically, and drug smugglers to get away from all the, the various terms. Uh, like terrorist and militant or or whatever, Uh, murderers and drug-smuggling gangs that that work, at least in the geographic area we're talking about, the promised land, to whittle down the state of Israel. This is certainly well-planned. Hamas and Hezbollah, many people know, are supplied to a large extent by Iran, but not only by Iran. They get substantial funding from Saudi Arabia, and they get, A lot of material trucked in uh, from Egypt or at least through the Sinai Peninsula. And, uh, you know, and while this is going on, of course, the American State Department uh, counsels that we should continue talking to Iran, the main supplier of uh, Hezbollah, which is actually part of the Iranian uh, Revolutionary Guard or was originally, and Hamas and other groups. And, you know, as, as, as uh, Secretary Rice remarked, the roadmap is irreversible, and the purpose of the, of the roadmap is to complete the pullback of Israel to the 1949 armistice lines with perhaps very minor modifications. And, uh, in other words, to re- produce, put Israel in a completely uh, defenseless, an almost completely defenseless state in which Jews will live in terror all the time like they now live in the southern almost the southern third of Israel getting instructions about when to stay in shelters and so on so I think uh, it's clear that this is planned for a long time I mean we know that before the expulsion of the Jews and the destruction of the Jewish two dozen or so communities in the region of Aza, as it's called, as Gaza is really called in Hebrew, it's a Hebrew word, Um, in uh, summer of 2005 there were five years of mortar and rocket fire and other kinds of murderous terrorism, you know, blowing up school buses, for example, uh, shooting into cars uh, with uh, civilians, women, and even children, getting shot in the head, things like that. So this is clearly planned, and clearly, you know, all the governments of the world uh, have varying degrees of enthusiasm for this, and even the governments of Israel are complicit in uh, different degrees. This is a kind of what we have going on is a managed attrition, another war of managed attrition, uh, like so many wars we've seen since World War II, but this one, specifically you know is part of it's really an extension of the arab attacks on israel that began uh in nine, march 1920 but certainly began in a large scale late in 1947 and have never really
1: ceased professor Naret, yeah i was i was kind of i was wondering do you think that uh this this latest round of of uh, attacks by Hamas uh, do you think that they even have the foresight to look at it from a political standpoint i mean do you think this this new uprising has has anything to do with the uh, the outcome of the of the u s elections at all is there anything is there any connection at all that you see
2: I think uh, Hamas definitely at its uh, higher echelons, the people who make the decisions for it, uh, certainly uh, are talking all the time, not just to Iran, but to many other contacts, probably through intelligence agencies or diplomatic diplomatic bureaucracies in various states, certainly in Europe, probably certainly in Russia, and uh, who knows where else, you know, we have a very loud... um, uh, a group in the United States, diplomatic and intelligence echelons that say we should talk to Hamas, of course, and we should, Israel should negotiate with them. We should negotiate with them. Uh, some of the networks and a related event about, after the, the slaughter in Mumbai brought on some uh, uh, a fellow uh, who they, they turned into, gave him great prominence, uh, who was saying that we should stop using the term war on terror altogether and we should hold out the olive branch to jihad and so on. So yes, I think but I think this is Jim, uh I think this is clearly arranged even with the government of Israel because when we if you ask about politics, remember, maybe point number one in this in looking at the trees of this situation, um, we know that it's election season in Israel. There is a government in Israel, the government that carried out the expulsion of Jews, uh, 9,000 or so Jews from Gush Katif, that is the Aza area, all of which, by international law, is supposed to be part of the Jewish state, uh, even uh, as amended by the British when they took the lands east of the Jordan River away from the Jewish state. Aza was supposed to be included and then eventually that, that got changed, too. So, uh, anyway, the, the Jews in Gush Katif were, you know, expelled and their communities were destroyed, and Hamas, that was the part assigned to the Israeli government, which can certainly be called a client regime, uh, sadly. And then the part for Hamas was to uh, destroy the synagogues, and probably many of us saw photographs of what they very happily did to the synagogues and to use these towns and other places in uh, what's called the Gaza Strip since Egypt's army conquered it in 1948. That's a completely ahistorical term. Listeners should be aware of that, is to use it as a, as a rocket launching pad on the Jewish cities and towns and farms in the neighboring area, including now, for a long time, Ashkelon. Uh, <clears throat> The eighth or tenth largest city in Israel, and a significant port, and even more uh, recently Ashdod, uh, the second main port in Israel, and uh, the outskirts of 'er Beersheva, and so on. So this is a, uh, but but this now and so in response, the government finally, after seven years uh, of this nonsense, or three years since the. Uh, expulsion uh, government has been in running the state Uh, now suddenly they decide six weeks before the israeli elections that they're going to show everyone that they're quote tough on crime unquote as they used to say in america but you know that they're tough on terrorism they're fed up and they won't take it anymore and they're carrying out a bunch of very limited surgical airstrikes and uh what we have, we've seen already the political windfall because the, uh, the Labor Party, which again was on the verge of disintegrating uh, because <sighs> its agenda is so clearly uh, unfriendly to a Jewish state and Jewish sovereignty, the, the Labor Party's number of uh, of uh, seats in the next Knesset is projected to be double what it was two weeks ago, from 8 to 16 so you could call this Operation Elect Livny and Operation Booth Barak.
1: But Professor, Professor Neret, by, by the way, if you just tuned in, we're talking to Professor Eugene Neret, who is the author of uh, World War Three: The War on the Jews, uh, Israel in the End Times, uh, Gathered Against Jerusalem, also Israel Awakened, A Chronicle of the Oslo War. Would you even, you know, it's really funny, couldn't you look at this and say that some of the very people who have uh, who have called for these airstrikes against Gaza, aren't these the very same people in the Israeli government who uh, are responsible for there being even a launching pad in Gaza for these Hamas rockets?
2: Yes, absolutely, in the same way that the uh, many of the same people who uh, carried on the tragically limited Uh, and in some respects incompetent response to the Hezbollah rockets in the summer 2006 were directly responsible for the withdrawal from uh, the security zone in the upper Gilead, which we now refer to as southern Lebanon. Yes, so they're responsible. The ones who created the problem are now solving the problem. So, Jim, to look at this as look at the forest, not just at the trees, we have yet another example of uh, the thesis, antithesis, and synthesis, which is the pre-arranged outcome. The prearranged outcome is a new Middle East into which Israel will be merged. Uh, the last bits of Israel saw, of, of Jewish sovereignty in the Promised Land will be destroyed, and what's happening now is that the uh, the uh, accomplices of Hamas, basically, who are also ordering these surgical airstrikes, and yes, they're killing a lot of the top Hamas people and, and rocket launchers. That's very nice, but it's a tiny fraction of what should have been done many years ago. Uh, but they're all, look, they're, they're, Egypt is in favor of this attack. Most of the Islamic world, at least in the Middle East, is greatly in favor of this attack because they're all afraid of Iran, which is really the dominant power in the region. And uh, Ham, they know Hamas is a, is, is a finger on the, on the hand or the arm of Iran, and they're afraid of them. They want The Jews are going to, uh, again, take care of their problem for them while they stand there on the sidelines in public and blame the Jews, of course. And Israel is going to destroy the Hamas, quote, extremists, Jew killers, and in order to empower the, quote, moderate, Abu Mazen, who is now called Mahmoud Abbas, and the past administration referred to as a man of courage, and he, we all know he's, he's become a moderate now, Arafat's longtime comrade in our arms. So this is, you know, Israel's destroying Hamas. Livni and Ehud Barak are, are showing that they're tough, instead of what they are as sellers out of the state and expellers of Jews, they will maybe win an election by these and other means, and they're preparing uh, to gift uh, Judea and Samaria to, as well as Gaza, they're going to gift it back to Abu Mazen and Fatah, which is and to create a Palestinian state. In other words, to impose a fiction, an enormous fiction on the world, a virtual state for a virtual people, albeit it will be armed to the teeth, and this uh, fictional state that has never existed in history will just so happen to be carved out of the center of the ancient land of Israel and include all of Judaism's holiest places, which is to say that Judaism proper, uh, as well as the sovereignty of the Jewish people, will be neutered. And that is a long-term plan, of the people uh, putting together what they like to call a world federation or a world commonwealth or a world collective. They have a number, number of synonymous terms. Th- that is a bit of the forest of what's going on. This is the, this, the dialectical attrition. Uh, you, Hamas provides the thesis. You could look at it that way by their constant murderous terrorism. Finally, Israel comes in as the antithesis to be blamed by the entire world, and the whole purpose is not to liberate Gaza from these uh, Arab and other imperialists and murderers and to create a flourishing part of the Jewish uh, state, but to give it to Abu Mazen, a terrorist, for, for a state, so-called state that will be so anarchic that there'll have to be some kind of NATO or EU supervision or presence uh, on the ground. There it is. It's an ugly business.
0: Uh, Professor, let me jump in here. We're, we're getting close to a break, and I wanted to uh, ask a question myself. And uh, you'd mentioned earlier about uh, the election uh, uh, coming up in Israel, and I always find it fascinating and, and humorous at times to watch all the politicians scramble and the, and the dust fly uh, with election season as they're scrambling to try and do some things that the electorate actually wants in order for them to get reelected, only to get put back in office to turn around and continue on with the same trend. And as you well know, we had a recent election here in the United States with uh, uh, the president-elect Barack Obama. And he has clearly stated, well, two things. Uh, He has thumped that uh, uh, he believes in Israel, he believes in Isra- Israel's uh, being able to defend itself, but at the same time, earlier during the election process, he was touting how he was going to be speaking to Iran, now, whether it was him personally or uh, an envoy that he chooses. Uh, we don't really know that yet, but he wants to sit down and uh, seemingly have coffee and donuts with Iran, who has clearly already stated that they want the annihilation of the Jews in Israel, and uh, uh, if we can be taken out along with it, well, so much the better. It will have been a good day. And and I'd like to ask you, with regards to the end times, it would seem that the U.S. is currently, with the present administration, at least uh, a, 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 what you might be able to call a friend that would be there for Israel if if it came down to you know, the serious action needing to be taken. But I kind of am wondering about these end times with Obama moving into office, that are are we going to see the prophecies come true that the nations, meaning all nations, rise up against Israel once we see this new administration take over?
1: And, Professor Narrett I need to interject here that you've got about uh, 45 seconds to answer that or at least uh, give us part of it And before we go to the break, and we can pick it up after the break. So uh, uh, we're kind of against the clock here. But go ahead. With
2: Okay, here's the nutshell. Uh, the new administration is the old administration. If you want to see all the nations of the world gathered against Jerusalem, uh, you can just look at what the quartet is. The quartet is America, Russia, the European Union, and the United Nations. In other words, all the nations of the world led by the three superpowers America, the EU, and Russia, which, at least in this way, uh, very much play on the same team.
1: We're talking with Professor Eugene Narrett about the situation in Gaza, and you're listening to No Hide Nations on Israel National Radio.
0: I used to get up all the time at night to go to the bathroom it was driving me crazy I tried every different kind of prescription medication out there finally
2: I found Preso brand Apuntima it comes in men's and women's formulas is an all natural herbal remedy that helps with urinary problems get Preso it helped me and it can help you too visit preso.com that's preso.com Aleph Shin, the number one best-selling Jewish techno-thriller novel, was unique for the Jewish market in excitement, imagination, and inspiration. Now, Ten Lost, the prequel to Aleph Shin, is author Sender Zev's latest literary masterpiece. It reveals the mind-boggling background of the awesome tale of Aleph Shin, available at Jewish bookstores throughout the United States, England, and Israel. See the ad on Israel National Radio, or check out the website at www.tmspublishing.com.
0: Shalom, everyone, and welcome back to Noahide Nations right here on Israel National Radio. We are blessed today to be speaking with a very wonderful man uh, by the name of Professor Eugene Neret. So, Professor, welcome back, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and kind of catch us up where we were. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the potential biblical prophecies relating to the current events, such as the elections coming up in Israel, also the recent election of uh, President-elect Obama, and how this ties in potentially to biblical prophecy of the end times and the nations literally rising up. In, in, in going after Israel, can you kind of share some more of that with us?
2: Well, as I mentioned, uh, every, if you just think about what the quartet is, uh, it becomes very evident that then the quartet, which has been pushing what is called the roadmap, uh, which means the expulsion of almost all the Jews from the central part of ancient Israel, including the four holiest sites of Judaism. So this is not just a war on the sovereignty of the Israeli state, by no means. This is a war on Jews and on Judaism. This is a war to put the light of of Judaism out of the world and to replace it with uh, some kind of multicultural. Uh, so called postmodern liberalism, they'll call it. That's what they started calling it when they began promoting it in 1910. But of course, it's really extremely godless and it's all about managing people like human inventory because the people uh, pushing this show uh, have no regard for the sanctity and preciousness and miraculous quality of human life as we're taught in the Torah. And for example, as is explained in Psalm 8, in such beautiful, so beautifully and briefly, uh, there is no Chesed in it. It's all about managing human beings as if they were animals or inventory, and it's not about blessing and increase, as uh, the Rambam teaches us. Uh, blessing, uh, birth pertains to blessing, in a comment on. Uh, Sarah and, and other things, and we know we're commanded to increase. While we're being told all the time there's too many people in the world. People are the problem. Human works are the problem, and basically the world needs to be enter, emptied out. So this is part of what the leaders of the so-called world commonwealth or world community or, or global state, different people use different terms and have been for a 100 years now. They've written many books that can be read. But uh, so, yes, this is – and we also see the alliance, Ray. You asked about the Yamim, the end of days, which is the term that's used in, in Judaism, uh, or simply hakeits, the end. And uh, it's very timely at this time of the year, because if you look in the 40th chapter of Genesis – uh, and uh, Parsha Miketz, Torah portion Miketz. Some of your listeners will understand that the, the uh, Hebrew scriptures are not divided into chapters, but into at least the books of Moses, but uh, are uh, divided into sections, topical sections. But the portion Miketz is uh, al- always considered, that is, at the end of two years, um, He's talking about Joseph being imprisoned in the dungeon and uh, is a reference to the end. And certainly we see, you know, with this alliance of Edom and Ishmael between and, and Abarvanel, for example, teaches explicitly that Edom in modern times is Europe or particularly the West as he describes it. Uh, in what we used to call Western Europe in the days when Europe was divided and uh, all the lands to the west. The West and Ishmael, you know, Edom and Ishmael make a covenant against you to uh, uh, blot them out from nationhood so Israel's name will not be remembered anymore. Well, that's just what's happening. And uh, for a simple, you know, example of, of how pervasive this agenda is, you can look, go to the, uh, go look at weather bug. You think it's just about getting temperatures and a, a weather forecast for the next four days for you know, wherever you want to look, Tokyo or, or Rio de Janeiro or Ottawa or wherever you might want to look. Look at it, and it's not divided into weather regions or climatic regions. It's divided into ten world regions that have almost nothing to do with weather. And lo and I, behold, I never knew one of the yeah. Just take I, I didn't either. I just noticed it the other day because uh, I wanted to check out a you know a city somewhere in the world, and I, for some reason it struck me. I said, "Gosh, this is curious. Look at that. It's what's called the Greater Middle East with Iran included, isn't it?" <laughs> this is part yes. And I mean, what is what is the weather in northeastern Iran on the border of the mountains of Afghanistan? have to do with the climate in the Sinai Peninsula, you know, not very much. Or in Beirut, not very much. But uh, this is part, part of the, the larger dialectic I called I talked about the managed attrition and the to get the uh, the scripted outcome or synthesis. All of those, all of the uh, hatred and all of the bluster and a lot of it is bluster by uh, Ahmadinejad uh to destroy israel which he certainly would be happy to do and 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 many other people in the world it just you know this is part of a way he will be replaced by a quote moderate voice the same way Khaled Mashal and Nasrallah will be replaced by the so-called moderate Abu Mazen or Mahmoud Abbas they've got the head of the alliance for civilizations also there in persia or one of the heads i should say and uh, they'll bring him in, and we'll have a, one big happy family um, from, from Iran to Egypt. And I- Israel, of course, will be the engine, and Jews will be constantly under attack and in need of more security. And who can provide the security for the, for the nightmare that's been created by, largely by Esau, just the way it's told in the uh, Tanakh, and also in the Midrash, it, it will be... Uh, the security will be supplied and guaranteed... the peace will be guaranteed by Esau. You asked about some of the uh, the prophetic passages, and certainly I'm no prophet. I have, I have some knowledge of history, um, maybe more than, than many people. I ought to. I've been studying it long enough, and some knowledge of Torah. And, uh, look, there are two basic scenarios in the end of days, which I'd like to believe we're not living in them because it's a little too exciting for me, you know. <laughs> and uh, I would like it to go. I would like to have a different kind of gradualism back to kind of, uh, you know, it would be very nice if they really wanted peace and security and prosperity in the region, right? We've all been taught about the cycle of violence in the region, You have these two endlessly warring parties, uh, Israel and the so-called Palestinians, or Israel and the Arabs, and they just don't know how to get along. The Jews don't know how to share their country. It's so big, after all. And uh, (laughs) there's not enough Arabs living in it yet, and there's not enough attacks on Jews yet, and it's too easy for Jews to get into the Machpelah Caves in Hebron, you know, on some days of the years, not others. So uh, we have to have a peace, but to make sure it's really a peace, that is, that Jews get expelled from Judea and Samaria, above all, this was the, the British plan affected by British trained and armed armies in 1948, you've got to have a crisis to settle first. Well, there's two scenarios in terms of the Tanakh, right? The, I mean, this is discussed in many ways by most of the prophets certainly repeatedly by Isaiah and uh, Jeremiah and Yechezkel and Zechariah and Joel or Yoel and uh, Ovadia gives a very short, just the facts, ma'am, you know, 22 verses or whatever it is, and uh, about the house of Jacob and the house of Joseph coming together and finishing Esau and his unstable plans, as the Midrash says, once and for all. Well, that would be very nice, and it'd be nice to get there without convulsions. But, you know, Americans listening to this know, and not just Americans, I think it's news all around the world, know that there have been a lot of convulsions in America in the last world year. That did not have to happen. But the two basic there are two basic ways of looking at this. It can happen, like as Yecheskel talks about it, which you alluded to, that the nations uh, uh, come all together because they have their evil design in the head of uh, Gog, and he leads this coalition, and it gets annihilated by uh, by uh, fire out of the heavens and so on, which is only too easy to make analogies for, and uh, it's a big horde, and they'll get. They'll get finished off and buried in Israel and, and an intact, integral Yisrael Shlema or entire land of Israel that has to be entire and unified, just like the Creator is and just the way it was supposed to be. And, uh, or it can happen as it's, you know, the other, just to name two of the two main alternatives, it can happen as Zechariah describes it in the last three chapters of his book which is that there will be a massive attack on Israel and that there will be enormous uh, carnage in the land, there will be a great earthquake, and so on, and uh, the waters will flow out to the eastern and western seas, the Persian Gulf and the Mediterranean, which are really supposed to be the borders of Israel, maybe someday some of us will get to see something like that against uh, all odds. And after a lot of uh, carnage and disaster, the invading armies will be destroyed and uh, Israel will have peace and the nations will ascend, uh, the nations who can honor Israel instead of instead of constantly engaging in this uh, long-running drama of degrading and humiliating the Jew that the world's been in for the entire uh, third of the last three uh uh, eras into which uh, Torah d- divides human history uh, will be resolved in a genuine peace as opposed to a bogus peace process.
1: Professor Naret, uh you know, when you talked earlier, uh, you kind of invoked the images of Joseph and the Torah Parsha of, of Miketz, and I've always uh, found it remarkable that the name of that Torah Parsha was an allusion uh, in hebrew to to the end to the end of days Mikets. M- m- and, yeah. and uh, you know what 's amazing of course in this story as it unfolds is that joseph uh, one of the most uh, who who maintained his righteousness through all of the trials and and everything that came in him he maintained uh, the goodness and the purity uh, of of a, of a good Jewish boy. And uh, you know, I would liken him today to to our observant Jews around the world, who maintain the family purity and who who uh, uh, cling to Torah. And it's always been interesting to me that that Torah parsha, which uh, I believe has an allusion to the end of days, and the fact that Joseph, the the good brother, is revealed to his other brothers. It's almost as if Hashem is telling us that as we as we reach this time in history, that the uh, that possibly the the Orthodox Jews, the observant Jews around the world, and especially those in Eretz Israel, who have clung to Torah, will be revealed to their brother Jews who have who have become assimilated, and who have not quite uh, had the love of Torah that they sh- they should. Do you see that as a component of, of arriving at this time in history that we are?
2: It's very interesting, Jim, that Torah portions micates, uh to which you again referred, and I did, uh, which begins with the word at the end, mccates, um, and that is about Joseph coming, being brought out of the darkness into the light because of his ability to interpret the dreams, and right. because, above all, he insists that his the people for whom he interprets recognizes that the interpretation is from Hashem, and the history is from Hashem, the Eternal One and the One and Only uh, Creator. And uh, he is, you know, he has his gift, but it's not. It's really, it's not. He's not the one fulfilling the dream, and uh, in a way, it's not even his interpretation. But all I would like to add to what you're saying that the two Torah portions in succession, which is about the the brothers, the sons of Jacob, also known as the sons of Israel, because Jacob had already been given the honorary name of Israel, or Yisrael, by the Creator in uh, chapter 35 uh, of uh, Genesis, um, when the covenant was yet again renewed. It uh, always comes with uh, Parsha Vayigash at the time of Hanukkah, which is the holiday and festival of, of a combined military victory and a victory of faith. Right. They go together. You can't have them separate. And as some of listeners will know, and you all should read, if you don't know, read these two portions together, and you'll see that they are about how, at the end of the appointed time, Joseph is liberated from the dungeon and becomes, because of his genius uh, and ability to, uh, to interpret the confused script of history, uh, is positioned to rule Egypt and save Egypt, this, uh, some of this history is told very, in a very fascinating way in Jim Long's book, The Riddle of the Exodus. Uh, Thank you, rule sir. To <laughs> Egypt and save Egypt and to save you know, all the peoples of the world uh, in that area and to receive his brothers, which he does. And Parsha Vayigosh Torah portion Vayigosh, is about the reunion of Judah and Joseph. And we all know that right before the, the War of Gog and Magog story, Parsha Yeheskel or Ezekiel, as he's called in English, uh, glowingly describes the reunion of, the, uh, of Judah and Joseph and all the, uh, the, the tribes uh, aligned with them, as happened later in history, and uh, that they will be, you know, one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, precisely the portion of Israel that the nations are... Hell bent on taking away from the Jewish people, and expelling the Jews from. So, and this, this every year, these two portions come at the time of Hanukkah, which, uh, when Jews say the Al Hanisim prayer, as you fellows know, and uh, which is you give thanks first of all for uh, all the miracles and for the uh, salvation and for the mighty acts. And uh, for the battles and for the victories that uh, the Creator, how the Eternal One, wrought for the forefathers of the Jewish people back in the days when they uh, beat the Greeks, who were trying to blend Israel into uh, their own version of the Hellenized Middle East, uh, just as we're now going to get a Hellenized, via the nations of Europe and North America, um, new World Order as they call it. So this is you know this is very important. Jews need to recognize each other and it's it's not always and it's uh, it's not always simply a question of religious learning, although religious observance is certainly important, it's necessary, it's required, uh, even when we can't understand it. And it's something to strive for, at least for Jews and for other people, you know, there's to strive to learn and to fulfill the Noahide uh, commands and to use Israel as a model instead of as a whipping boy, which is uh, <laughs> characterized world history for certainly the last 1800 years, uh, 1950 years, beginning with the pagan Roman Empire and continuing with its successor states. So uh, this is these are very important portions. They always come at Hanukkah, and, and it's important that, that, that Jews be united. Uh, very important. You know, the, the exile from the land and the division of the land has done very bad things to the Jewish people and, uh, and confused them in a lot of ways. It's like someone who's been traumatized is uh, finds it difficult to get their faculties, rally their faculties and organize them uh, in the way a person who has always been healthy and intact uh, can do, which is the way Israel is supposed to be. So part of this will be having the discernment to recognize Joseph and for Joseph to recognize Judah when he arrives and for all the brothers to recognize each other. And recognizing yourself implies you know, as a matter of, course, recognizing your enemies and not pretending that your enemies are, can be your peace partners. You know, when everyone knows with a nod and a wink that these so-called peace partners uh, just want to destroy what's left of a Jewish state and, and kill a lot of Jews on the way, that the peace process is, of course, just as it says in Ezekiel, peace, peace, but there is no peace. It's a war on the
1: Jews. Well, that's a a real good place I think to uh, uh, draw the the conversation to a close, and uh, you've been listening to an interview with uh, Professor Eugene Narrat. Uh, he's the author of four books, the latest of which is World War III: The War on the Jews. Uh, Professor, it's uh, as always, it's been fascinating. Uh, Ray, uh, we've got time for just. Uh, a, a, a quick word from you. and well, uh, uh, Baruch uh, Hashem, I, because
0: uh, I, I have a quick word to share. <laughs> we all are aware of the media's coverage of the protesters of the Israeli embassies around the world. Where were these people six, eight weeks prior to Israel finally standing up and defending itself? Where were these people, where were they protesting when Hamas was launching their missiles into Israel. Why are there so many people in the world that are so anti-Semitic that they clearly demonstrate it in the fashion that they do?
2: Well, there's Edom and Ishmael, but in in modern times there's the mass media which is owned and controlled by the people who uh, want to get rid of Judaism and the idea that there's anyone who can run the world other than themselves. And, you know, they have been for many decades at work Burying the history of what, as well as the contemporary events, distorting it of what's going on in and around Israel. And so these people are just regurgitating what they hear, and some of them are no doubt planted to to whip up this kind of. This is part of what this strike against Hamas is about to 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 create this worldwide storm of fury again against the Jews. We've seen this hundreds of
0: times. Professor, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. It's always a pleasure to, to speak with you and to hear you speak and read your articles. And until next week, always remember to look to the heavens, my friends, because Hashem is always looking out for you.
3: Cut down on time at the airport. Introducing the ultimate airport experience by Menashe Sofer's airport service. It's the first of its kind. The VIP meet and assist shuttle guarantees a completely stress-free traveling experience to and from Ben Gurion International Airport. Online at msoferairport.com. Tell him you heard about it on Israel National Radio. Menashe Sofer Airport travel, speed and service. M-S-O-P-H-E-R airport.com. Praying for 40 days straight at the Western Wall in Jerusalem is a famous Jewish practice. Many have made the pilgrimage to pray for marriage, income, children, or healing. Now you too can have a 40-day prayer. Western Wall Prayers will employ a full-time Torah student to pray on your behalf or on behalf of a loved one for 40 days straight at the wall. If you need a special prayer, visit westernwallprayers.org. That's westernwallprayers.org.